Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 12 of Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 13 and 14. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hedekel, that is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And I'll stop reading there. Now, if you remember from our last study, we saw back in verse 10 that a river went out of Eden and it was parted into four heads. And the first was Pison that compasseth the whole land of Havilah. And we saw through Genesis 25 verse 18 that Havilah was related to Egypt. It was in close proximity to Egypt, and Egypt is a picture of the world in the Bible. Well, then we just discussed the gold, the bedulum, and the onyx stone and saw how they all relate to God's elect and God's salvation program. Well, now in verse 13, the second river is Gihon. And Gihon is also a name that identifies with the kingdom of heaven. If we go to Second Chronicles 32, verse 30, it says, This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper watercourse of Gihon and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David, and Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Well, we have a river called Gihon, and we had a watercourse in that verse that was brought into the city of David. And so, again, the river identifies with the going forth of the word of God, of the gospel, of the Bible, into the world which Egypt pictured. But now, the second river, Gihon, compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And Ethiopia, in the Bible, identifies with Egypt. Just as Havilah identified with Egypt, so does Ethiopia. Now, you may have heard me mention that before, that when you see Ethiopia, spiritually, it identifies with Egypt. And one of the things Egypt pictures is the kingdom of Satan in this world. That's why the Israelites' captivity in Egypt, under cruel bondage, where they were bound to serve Pharaoh, typified the bondage of sin and to Satan that all sinners experience until God sets them free. And the deliverance from Egypt was a picture of the salvation of God's elect, the spiritual Israel. Well, Ethiopia carries that same kind of meaning, because Ethiopia is often related to Egypt. Actually, the word Ethiopian, or Ethiopia, or Ethiopian, is found 41 times, according to my account, in the Old Testament, and 14 of those times, when you find Ethiopia, you're going to find it mentioned along with Egypt. For instance, in Psalm 68, verse 31, princes shall come out of Egypt, 
Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands unto God. And so God mentions Egypt, and he follows it by mentioning Ethiopia. In Isaiah chapter 20, verse 4, it says, So shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptians' prisoners, and the Ethiopians' captives, young and old, naked and barefoot, even with their buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. And they shall be afraid and ashamed of Ethiopia, their expectation, and of Egypt, their glory. Ethiopia and Egypt, they go hand in hand. Isaiah 43, verse 3, For I am Jehovah thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Or in Isaiah 45, verse 14, Thus saith Jehovah the labor of Egypt and merchandise of Ethiopia. And we could also look at Ezekiel 29, And this will be the last one for Ethiopia. Ezekiel 29, verse 10. Behold, therefore, I am against thee and against thy rivers, and I'll make the land of Egypt utterly waste and desolate from the tower of Syene, even unto the border of Ethiopia. And as I mentioned, there's a number of other verses that would be very similar. Egypt followed by Ethiopia because spiritually they're representing the same thing, the kingdom of Satan. Now, Ethiopia is the same Hebrew word as Cush. It's Strong's number 3568 in the Hebrew. And in Isaiah 11, verse 11, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day, that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush. And that's the same word as Ethiopia. And from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. Now notice here God is speaking, recovering the remnant of his people. He mentions Assyria, Egypt, and Cush or Ethiopia, and he also mentions Shinar and Elam, which identify with Babylon. And when we look at the Bible, we find Assyria, Egypt, and Babylon are the big three that represent the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. They're used in a very similar way in the Bible, and we'll see that in our verse in Genesis. And um, where it, well, let's go back to Genesis two. The second river Gihon compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And again, spiritually, that would represent the same as Egypt, the world, just as Havilah identified with Egypt, the world. The river coming forth from Edom, Eden, the kingdom of God, is going out into the world with these first two rivers. Then in verse 14, and the name of the third river is Hedekel. Now, Hedekel is only found one other place. And Strong's Concordance relates Hedekel with the Tigris River, but I don't know if that can be confirmed from the Bible. But Hedekel is found in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. We find that God is giving Daniel a vision. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. 
neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled, and in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hadekel. And that's the only other time outside of Genesis 2 in our verse, the river Hadekel is mentioned, and we know that Daniel was in Babylon. So, Hadekel would be a river that relates or identifies with Babylon, and Babylon also is a figure or type of the kingdom of Satan of this world, just as Egypt, just as Ethiopia. Then it goes on in Genesis 2:14. The name of the third river is Hadekel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. Now, we know Euphrates is easy because we've seen Euphrates several times before in the study of the book of Revelation and other places. And we know Euphrates also identifies with Babylon. So we have Havilah that identifies with Egypt, Ethiopia that identifies with Egypt, and we have Hedekel that identifies with Babylon, and Euphrates that identifies with Babylon, and Also, we have mention of Assyria. So, in these few verses, we have God relating to or setting up the spiritual picture of the gospel flowing forth from his kingdom that is established in Eden. The word of God goes out. And what are the targets? What is the objective? Egypt and Babylon and Assyria, the three main nations that God uses to identify Satan's kingdom of the world. So the gospel's flowing forth into the world. Now, as far as Assyria, you know, God relates Assyria with Babylon in a couple of places. In Jeremiah 50, verse 17, Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First, the king of Assyria hath devoured him. And last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has broken his bones. Therefore, thus saith Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, as I have punished the king of Assyria. And we do know that God first destroyed Samaria, Israel in the north, through the Assyrians. And then afterwards, the people of Judah likewise were destroyed by the Babylonians led by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so God is referring to both judgments. And basically, he's tying them together. He's making them synonymous with one another. And when we read the Bible and we find the Assyrians coming against Israel and overcoming Israel and defeating Israel, that's a picture of God's judgment on the churches by raising up an evil king and having that evil king and his army conquer the people of God. Just as the Lord raising up Nebuchadnezzar and calling him my servant, And having Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come against Judah in the south and conquering Judah is a spiritual picture of the very same thing. And here God relates to two. 
Now in Isaiah 23, we find that there is a very close relationship historically between Assyria and Babylon. In Isaiah 23, verse 13, Behold, the land of the Chaldeans, and that's Babylon, this people was not till the Assyrian founded it for them that dwell in the wilderness. They set up the towers thereof, they raised up the palaces thereof, and he brought it to ruin. So even the land of Babylon is said to have been founded by the Assyrians. Now, what's also interesting is the relationship between Assyria and Egypt. As the Lord says in Isaiah 52, verse 4, For thus saith the Lord Jehovah, My people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now, how can God say that? That his people went to Egypt, but then he doesn't say in the Egyptian oppressed him without cause, which is what we know happened as the Israelites were experiencing that cruel bondage to the Egyptians. Yet God says the Assyrian oppressed him without cause, because spiritually the Assyrian and the Egyptian represent the same thing just like spiritually the Assyrian and the Babylonian represent the same thing. So here in Isaiah 52, 4, God links the Egyptian with the Assyrian. But remember, we looked at this a while back. In Isaiah 48, it says in verse 20, Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans, with a voice of singing, declare ye. Tell this, utter it even to the end of the earth. Say ye, Jehovah hath redeemed his servant Jacob. And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He clave the rock also, and the waters gushed out. Verse 20 of Isaiah 48 begins with the command to go forth from Babylon. Verse 21, without switching gears... God makes reference to an event at a time when Israel went forth from Egypt because it was after coming out of Egypt, not Babylon, that they thirsted and the Lord caused waters to flow out of the rock for them. And yet, spiritually, God can do that. He can write this kind of language, connect these type of verses because Egypt and Babylon represent the same thing. The coming out of Egypt was great deliverance. The coming out of Babylon was great deliverance from captivity to sin and to Satan. And so there is a close relationship with Assyria and Egypt, Assyria and Babylon. There is a close relationship with Babylon and Egypt and Babylon and Assyria. And there's a close relationship with Egypt and Babylon and Egypt and Assyria. So what this does is it gives God options, alternatives when writing, and he's hiding spiritual truth. He can draw on a reference from the wilderness sojourn, the coming out of Egypt, and apply it at a time when Israel came out of Babylon, or vice versa. 
it adds to the Lord's ability to paint a picture and to hide truth. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 23, all three, Egypt, Babylon, and Assyria, come into focus and are mentioned. In Ezekiel 23, it says in verse 2, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother, and they committed whoredoms in Egypt. They committed whoredoms in their youth. There were their breasts pressed, and there they bruised the teats of their virginity. And the names of them were Ahola the elder, and Aholabah her sister. And they were mine, and they bare sons and daughters. Thus were their names. Samaria is Ahola, and Jerusalem Aholabah. And Ahola played the harlot when she was mine, and she doted on her lovers, on the Assyrians, her neighbors. So first, God says Samaria, who is Ahola, doted on the Assyrians, her neighbors, and then God judged them, as it says in verse 8 of Ezekiel 23, Neither left she her whoredoms brought from Egypt, For in her youth they lay with her, and they bruised the breasts of her virginity, and poured their whoredom upon her. Wherefore I have delivered her into the hand of her lovers, into the hand of the Assyrians, upon whom she doted. These discovered her nakedness. They took her sons and her daughters, and slew her with the sword. And she became famous among women, for they had executed judgment upon her. God in this spiritual harlotry that Ahola, Samaria, Israel in the north was involved with. He let them go and finally they were destroyed by the one they doted upon. And God raised up the Assyrians back in Isaiah 10 verse 5. It says, O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against the hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath while I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. And God's referring to Samaria, his own people. He raised up the Assyrian to be the rod of his anger. And then later we know he did the very same thing with the Babylonians because Judah, Aholabah, committed the same sin. In Ezekiel 23, verse 11. And when her sister, Aholabah, saw this, she was more corrupt in her inordinate love than she, and in her whoredoms more than her sister, In her whoredoms, she doted upon the Assyrians, her neighbors, captains and rulers clothed most gorgeously, horsemen riding upon horses, all of them desirable young men. Then I saw that she was defiled, that they took both one way, and that she increased her whoredoms. For when she saw men portrayed upon the wall, the images of the Chaldeans portrayed with vermilion, girded with girdles upon their loins, exceeding in dyed attire upon their heads, all of them princes to look to, after the manner of the Babylonians of Chaldea, the land of their nativity. And then God does the same thing. We know that he gave Judah up to the Babylonians that Judah had been doting upon. 
And King Nebuchadnezzar became God's servant, a vessel in which to destroy, to bring his wrath, judgment on Judah in the south, exactly as he had done on Israel in the north. And both picture God's judgment on the New Testament churches and congregations who have doted upon the things of the world. And they also are enamored, the church, the corporate church, with people of a strange tongue, a tongue they do not understand, like Israel did not understand the Assyrian language, Judah did not understand the Babylonian language, nor does the New Testament church, or did it understand the language of speaking in tongues. And so they went after that phenomenon, and they lusted after it, just as their sisters of old lusted after those nations, and God destroyed them. One of the main weapons of destruction of the New Testament church was the tongues phenomenon, which was related to the charismatic doctrines and falling over backward and so forth that just opened up all kinds of evil things that the church fell into. And it all relates to God's program. The rivers go forth from the outward representation of the kingdom of heaven. They separate into four heads. They go into Egypt. They go into Babylon. They go into Assyria. They go into the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. But, however, beware, God warned Israel. He warned the church. Do not get involved in spiritual fornication. Do not get involved in harlotry. Do not lust after these things that you will see when you go out into the world. And Israel failed the test, both Samaria and Judah. The church failed the test, and so God destroyed them with a nation speaking a tongue they could not understand. And it says here in verse 19 of Ezekiel 23, Yet she multiplied her whoredoms in calling to remembrance the days of her youth, wherein she played the harlot in the land of Egypt. See, Assyria, Israel plays the harlot with them. With Babylon, she plays the harlot with them. But it all harkens back to They're playing the harlot in the land of Egypt. And in Ezekiel 23, God brings all three of these mighty nations that represent the world, the kingdom of the evil one, into focus. Just as the focus here in Genesis 2 is on the word of God going forth to the nations of the world. And here in these verses, God isn't talking about fornication or harlotry. He's just giving us the process. The Lord is drawing the picture of the arena where the gospel is targeting the four heads going universal into the world. But what will happen to this outward representation of the kingdom of heaven, the Garden of Eden? There will be a fall. Just as Samaria fell, just as Judah fell, just as the New Testament corporate church fell, so the Garden of Eden will fall. There will be a fall from obedience into lusting after sin. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. 
You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.